What's up, everyone? My name is Philip Hensler. And I'm Adam Richman. And we're your co-hosts for today's PATHS Technology Committee podcast. We started this podcast to initiate a conversation with the members of the athletic training community in Pennsylvania in the hopes that we can engage and foster relationships in the state, explore emerging settings, and provide a unique perspective into the day in the life of an athletic trainer. <laughs> Today, I want to thank our guest, Joe Izzy, for taking time out of his busy schedule to come chat with us. Joe, how are you doing today? Good. Fine. fine for, thanks for having me, Adam and Phil. So, Mr. Izzy has been a certified athletic trainer for over 45 years. He earned his undergraduate from Westchester University of Pennsylvania and his graduate degree from California University of Pennsylvania. He's worked in almost every setting of the profession. Uh, Joe is a head athletic trainer at Cheyenne University from uh, 75 to 85 and Philadelphia University from 85 to 88 and downtown or yeah Downington High School from 88 to 2013. He's uh, worked with the Olympic Training Center and has been involved in many leadership roles within the profession including uh, Pat's Board of Directors and he served as uh, Pat's president Uh, and introduced changes to the PA law and initiated the start of the new law directing under the Medical Practice Act. So heavy hitter here, Joe. Uh, Again, thank you for coming on. Um, Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where are you from? Where'd you go to school? And how'd you get into athletic training? Um, I grew up in uh, South Jersey, across the bridge from Philadelphia. Um, Hence the uh, Philadelphia, South Jersey accent. I've been compared to Rocky's voice sometimes, um, but, uh, but I uh, went to Westchester University, my undergrad, to uh, be a health and PE major and uh, run track, and I was supposed to play baseball, too, with the coach when I let me do one, <laughs> and uh, of course, enjoyed it, loved it, uh, did not know what an athletic trainer was, went to a Catholic high school in New Jersey that didn't have athletic trainer, I don't think anybody did that I knew of, um, and uh, in a class, you had to take all your activity classes. And the night before my first track meet, the night of my first indoor track meet, we had to do quite a few aims in our final for gymnastics class. And I went to do a front summit. I thought it was pretty good, but I came down and you heard a nice crack. And uh, they carried me down to the athletic training room at Westchester University. And I met Phil Donnelly. Uh, uh, the best okay. man you could probably meet in our profession, right? And uh, Absolutely. That, that taught me athletic training right there. So uh, I thank the gymnastics coach to this day. I still see him once in a while and say, yep, you're the one that got my career started. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he made me do it again. I thought I did a good one. Um, but anyway, that that's like most, most athletic trainers, that's how we get started, right? We get injured and love the profession. I love sports. I love medicine and uh, got me involved in that and just went from there, really. So. And Westchester awesome. is a great place to learn under uh, Brad Taylor, Joe Godak, and Phil Donnelly at the time. So couldn't have better mentors for athletic training. So, so what was your um, first job out of college? What would you end up doing? Uh, first job out of college. Uh, it's kind of interesting. I went a few months searching quite a few interviews for health and PE slash athletic training. It wasn't a major then. It was a point of emphasis. Um, and uh, actually, I was working in a factory in Northeast Philly, <laughs> and I got the mm-hmm. call from Cheney University that I interviewed and uh, didn't know anything really about the school. It was right up the road from uh, Downingtown, I mean, from um, Westchester University. And I took the job in uh, October 10th of 75, middle of football season. <laughs> As okay. a 22-year-old uh, 
I guess, 22, 23 year old young pup right out of college and uh, had athletic trainer there, our first athletic trainer and uh, went from there. And it was, I, I mean, my, my career has been, uh, sometimes they say it's better to be lucky than good. Um, and I consider that I, I fell into a lot of really good things. Um, Cheney University at the time um, had John Cheney as their basketball coach, mm-hmm. Vivian Stringer as their basketball coach, who's at Rutgers still. John, of course, was Temple. And Billy Joe uh, from this area was the football coach, played for the Jets in Villanova. Uh, I had three there in their Hall of Fames, you know, so what can I go wrong? And the athletic director was a Hall of Famer that went to Westchester. Um, so, I, I mean, Division One women's program for 10 years, they're in the top uh, 10 in the country every year, played in the first women's national championship. Uh, John Cheney, we won the national championship. So just kind of fell into it, loved the place, loved the people, and, uh, you know, stayed there 10 years. But then they left, so I left. <laughs> so, I mean, talk about getting thrown to the coals right right off the start, mid-football season, probably one of the hardest starts for an uh, athletic trainer, even a veteran athletic trainer. Yeah, it was um, pretty so. interesting because uh, they had somebody who was filling in that said he was an athletic trainer, really wasn't, and he kind of said that I took his job. So I wasn't real popular at first, um, and the athletes were – my age or older <laughs> and uh, but uh, we fell in love with each other and just became a great player in our profession if you, you're you're taking care of people and you're caring and you're helping them get better and feel better so right away you can win them over <laughs> you know, oh, absolutely you're trying to keep them healthy and so uh, yeah I mean it's a love affair I go back all the time and uh, like I, I said earlier somebody um, Facebook I just got on there was on it and also now I, I get things from those teammates from now till then. So it's pretty cool stuff. Um, see their kids grow up and see how things are going. Um, then when, when things were changing there, uh, Dick Delaney, who was a Westchester graduate, was at Philadelphia textile at the time, became Philadelphia university. And then now it's Jefferson university. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the baseball coach and assistant basketball at textile. We were rivals with them. Um, he called me and said, we got an opening for other trainers job. And the ironic thing was 10 years to the day, October 10th, 85. So I said, I'll get a tie and I'll be right down. I went for an interview and <laughs> gave my two-week notice. And I worked with Herb McGee, another Hall of Famer, and Dick Delaney for uh, three more years. Um, and I loved the college. But, you know, between four years as an athlete and 13 years as a trainer in the state in the college level, I was on the road a lot. Yes. <laughs> Back then, you're covering two high-profile basketball. We'd cover both men and women's. And, you were on the road. We are by ourselves back in those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was missing my kids grow up. And uh, I accidentally fell into the high school job. I refereed and umpired in this area, high school and college. And uh, I bumped into somebody at a batting cage. And they said, Downingtown needed an athletic trainer. You know, any students? And I, of course, had students from Westchester all those years as, as a preceptor. I said, yeah, I have some good students. What does a high school athletic trainer make? And they told me what they made. And I said, get the heck out. <laughs> It was like twice of what I made after 13 years at the collegiate <laughs> level. So kiddingly, I said, maybe I'll take the job. And by the time I got home, my two children said, uh, somebody, a principal, an athletic director, call from Downingtown. Because <laughs> they knew me. I used to officiate there. And uh, I took that job. So 25 years later, I was there. But being at Downingtown, again, I was lucky. The, the athletic director was a Westchester grad and uh, people I knew and uh, – just great coaches, great people like the other colleges I was at. And uh, I think we won in 25 years, something like 15 state championships in five different sports. So it was like being at a college. <laughs> it was pretty good. Right. Just great yeah, people. Yeah, for sure, Joe. Yep. I, I, I've, I'm, I'm curious. So um, 
you know, you've, it, you've obviously had quite a few different positions and, and working in different settings. Um, can you maybe just compare and contrast what your day looked like at the, the collegiate setting versus the um, high school setting? And then maybe what your, your, you know, you're retired now, what does your day look like now? And, and, you know, what, what is, um, you know, filling most of your day up? Um, that's a good question because in the college level, I was working seven days a week, you know, 70, 80 hours yep. a week, Saturday, Sundays traveling. Um, and all of a sudden I take the high school job at that time, no Sundays. You had a day off. I was like, really? Um, <laughs> and, uh, even though we were a pretty profile high school, we travel, but you know, you're not going overnight trips and, and things are pretty good. Did have a lot of night soccer and football games and basketball. So you still have the hours, but my athletic director is great. If my son, at the, which was a little problem, he was at our rival high school. But if he was playing a game or something, my AD would say, go ahead, go watch him. I said, no, I can't leave. Yeah, go watch. You know, and you know, just the flexibility to do things was a lot nicer and uh, closer to home, closer to my children. Um, but the job's the same. You know, you're doing athletic training, you're taking care of athletes, making them better. Um, at the college level, you're closer to your athletes because you're like their parents away from home. And when you go to the doctor for an injury at you, the doctor and you, there's no miscommunication. The high school's nice. You don't have to go to all the doctor's appointments because the parents can do that. Even if somebody needs sutures at a soccer game, the parents could take them after. You don't have to sit in the emergency room for hours like you do with the college. But sometimes you get a little miscommunication, so you got a good report with the doctors and the parents. But that that's a great thing. The parents and the community after 25 years, you know, I'd, I'd call a parent whose person, athlete, child got hurt in the practice. And, and they'd answer the phone. Hi, Joe, which one is it and what happened? <laughs> <laughs> so they know your number and they know, you know, and, or, or they're in Colorado and some travel team in the summer and they call you and say, Becky got hurt. Uh, do you know any doctors out here? Or can you call a doctor? We're going to fly in, you know, so it's a pretty neat thing. And I think that's what athletic trainers do. And I think that's a great rapport you have. And um, people say, I'll never leave downtown, even though I didn't grow up here, but guess what? You're probably right. He, you go to get pizza on a Friday night and there's eight of your athletes there, you know, with their kids. And so that's a, that's a neat thing. So, but the job's the same, your athletic trainer. Um, now what do I do? Retirement? Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, hey, that's what it's all about. Yeah. I couldn't wait. I, no, I stayed in, uh, I stay involved with our profession, of course, with Pat's. I'm on a couple of committees, governmental affairs and long range planning, EATA. I'm on a committee and I'd like to help out where I can or just be a, uh, go to old person that they ask for some, you know, ideas or something. That's fun. Uh, I cover a lot of tennis. Our tennis coach still involved in the PIA district and state. So I do that in the fall and spring for her. Um, that's a tough one to cover. You know, most of the coaches I know from years back. So, um, and then, and then of course, about uh, three years before I retired, I fell into the NFL concussion spotter program. Um, when they started that, when, you know, things started to happen with concussions in the NFL, um, uh, the last game of the 2010-11 season, I think it was, I got a call from Rick Burkholder, who uh, was on the board with me and we were friends and, and kidded. He said, I, I told you I'd get your retirement job and we'd be working together someday, just a few years early. And I'm like, what the heck's he talking about? I call him back and every stadium that weekend needed a concussion spotter in the booth. And that's how it started. And there was used to be one of us. Now there's two in the booth and it's really, really progressed. It's gotten super, super uh, integrated with videos and headphones and you need seven ears because you got headphones and walkie talkies. And, um, but it's, 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 an, it's probably the most intense job I've had. I mean, I've been to five NCAA finals. I've been to 
25 state championships. I refereed three state championships. But guess what? This NFL job is probably the most intense job ever, but I love it. I mean, that's what we live for. That's cool. Yeah. So, so it's like a game day is a 10, 12 hour day. You know, we cover oh, wow. every stadium. It's a home game. Um, right. We don't travel with the teams. We just cover the stadium. Although uh, we started an ambassador program and a few of us travel last year. I went to three other stadiums to observe their spotters and see how their program, not, not to see if they're doing well, just to see how their setup was, if they needed a better booth or, you know, things like that. Um, and so that was pretty neat. Um, but uh, at one o'clock game, I usually leave my house eight 30. Cause if you don't, you'll never get to the stadium. I, right. find, I, I find out the first game I ever did. Um, and it's so crowded and getting around the stadium. Um, get, we have to be there three hours ahead anyway. Um, and then you work the game one to four, four thirty. By the time you go, you have to return thumb drives to the visiting home team and the referees and talk to them before and after, um, get out of there. And even though I'm 42 miles away, sometimes it takes three hours to get home, <laughs> so, yeah. but, uh, but it's a nice, nice, uh, work intense from the, at four or three, four hours, you're working the game. Um, now we have two spotters, one covers the visiting team and I, and I cover the home team. Um, and you can mix it up. And we're hooked up with walkie-talkies to the medical staff, the doctors and the other trainers on the sideline. Uh, we're hooked up to the other UNCs, which are the independent neurologists on each sideline and one in our booth with us. We're hooked up to each other. Um, and we are hooked up to the head referee so we can stop the game. Okay. Oh, wow. We, we see it. We don't do any diagnosing. We don't do any. We just look for the big hits. And if we see something, basically there's like five criteria. You know, if you see something, you – Hear him talking about it on the broadcast. You know, they say, oh, he looks drunk. That lineman's not even getting up. You know, something you ought to yeah. do something. Um, if, if you see something that doesn't look right and you watch the replay, um, we had to call down right away to get that number 62 off the field. Um, there's five ways to get him off the field. We can do it. The referee can do it. We actually had training with them. If they see a player not right, um, the home staff, of course, they see it. Um, the player themselves can self-report or another player can report a teammate. So, and that, that, so out of those five, usually somebody catches it, but it's not, it's still impossible to catch every one. Um, still right, right. doesn't matter how good you are. We have binoculars, we have replays. I'm, I keep my monitor on a seven second delay. So I watch it live and then I watch it again. And then, and we have two tech guys in the booth that can give us different angles and different replays. But of course you have to do that pretty quick. <laughs> If you yeah, want to get crazy. off, so, um, but and then if you call down, they have to go into the protocol. Um, then you see the tent go up, and they go in the tent. If they pass there, we get an answer. Um, if they don't pass that, then they go into the locker room for more of an intensive protocol, uh, and then we go close the loop. Yes, they can go. No, they're done. You know, and we mark, and then we have a laptop. It used to be a hand thing. You got twenty four hours to get a report. Now we have to have a report done on the laptop before. The game's over. We also have to tag. At one time, we had to tag every injury. I mean, you were by yourself, so you were watching both teams. Uh, now, like an ankle or knee, um, we tag it anyway because the team wants to call up and look at it. But we don't have to report it unless it's a significant injury where they have to, you know, get taken off on the cart or you know they have an ACL or a fractured you know, tibia and they're not coming back. You know it, and then that's usually a tag play. Um, but we always tag them because the team has that option. Some teams use it better than others. I mean, some teams, they have their trainer and the doctor run the field, and the other doctor runs to the video down on the field and calls up 
before we, you know, we'll like get that up quick because they want to see it. And it's, it's great for mechanism injury. I, that's what I love about it. It's keeping me in my field, my profession. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's a, again, you know, you know somebody and they call you networking, probably the most important yeah. thing. Yeah. That's kind of what I was curious about. How, how, who are you actually employed through? Is that like that's the NFL? Age? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, neighborhoods say, "Oh, you work for the Eagles." No, I do not work for the Eagles. Right. You're supposed to be neutral. Everybody's neutral, and uh, you know, but a lot of us are in the area, and they called you, and you grew up here or something. But that, but you're still neutral in that regard. Um, but, right. But like in my instance, I know ninety percent of the athletic trainers as well as I know the new athletic trainer at the Eagles probably better mm-hmm. even some other weight team so they feel comfortable with that so that's a good yeah. thing after 11 and, and it's, years but it's more it, it's not a there's not an application process though right like they're no. not putting out on the NATA like hey we have a job opening for a spot no. it's more you got to know somebody to know somebody right well the criteria <laughs> was pretty stringent before then it eased up a little now it's when they did the uh what we call the medical timeout where you can call the referee they got they got even more stringent it used to be uh college athletic training experience professional athletic training experience so forth um but then of quite about uh, i don't know i don't say number three four maybe five people when that came got taken off because they were head athletic trainers at a team and they said that's kind of tough because if you pull the quarterback on the two yard line with a minute left and you used to work for that team, the other team, <laughs> it might not look well. So I think it have to be not have worked for the NFL in the last 10 years or five years. There's a criteria we do have. You need okay. this kind of experience. Okay. That, But personally, I think any athletic trainer that's worked football, even on the high school level, I mean, I worked 10 years of college. There's more hitting in some football, high school games than there is in pros, maybe not as hard, but kickoffs and punts, are a lot worse than in the pros. 80% of ours don't get returned, you know? So if you're a football either trainer, you got the experience. Even if you're not a football, you're, you know, the mechanisms, you know what you're looking for. So, um, but it's, it's pretty interesting. Is, is it the, um, is it, do you work every game or is there a small group of you that work all the Philadelphia games? Um, for a while I was by myself. I worked every game for like seven years never, I think I missed one game. I was away. Um, sorry about that. I I shut that off. <laughs> no That's okay. <laughs> I thought I shut that off. Um, and then, um, uh, now that there's two, two of us in the booth, we split it. Now we actually have, I think every stadium has four in case something, okay. you know, somebody gets mm-hmm. sick or something. So we kind of mix it up. Um, sometimes the home team wants you there more than not. So you might do eight and the other guys five and five and four, you know, you, you get the experience and work them in little by little. Um, at one time, I was by myself, and I had a backup who won't just do the two preseason games. But they're saying, "Well, that's not good because let's say week fifteen you get sick, and he hasn't worked since preseason." You know, so we're trying to work it so everybody gets a mixture in and does that. Yeah, uh, yeah. My my one backup at the time, he uh, called. It was funny and said, uh, "I'm sorry." I said, "What are you sorry for?" He said, "Well, they're sending me to London." <laughs> And I said, what's wrong with that? He said, well, you know, I'm just a backup. I said, that means I got the best backup in the country. So you go to London. <laughs> so, so, so London would be all right. Yeah. 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 You know, they have those games there. They're not having this year, right. obviously, but uh, yeah, yeah that's yeah. Kind, of, kind of interesting stuff. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun job. It's an interesting job. Uh, you meet a lot of people, but it's, when the game starts, you better be ready. Yeah. <laughs> So. Yeah, I don't think you've slowed down at all during retirement. <laughs> well, you know what, though? It's only 10 times. Hopefully, you play off, you get 11 or 12. And, tra- and I traveled last year, three games. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a good job. It's a fun job. 
hope we can so keep it. What's your uh, favorite part about athletic training? My favorite part, um, you know, is taking care of the athletes. And, and I go back to my parents' days. My mother was a very caring person, loving person. My dad was was a work ethic, workaholic type person. And guess what? That's athletic training, right? That's athletic mm-hmm. trainers. Um, so taking care of an athlete and watching them get better from something and watching them progress and get back, he or she does a great job, you know, Somebody flips you to football after a touchdown, says, thanks, Mr. Is, you know, that's for you. And like, gosh, it makes you cry, right? Um, that's important. Watch them progress. Um, I always enjoy the part where there's an athlete you got to push back and there's an athlete you got to harness back, you know, mm-hmm. the ones that want to play before they're ready and the ones that don't want to play even though they're ready. And that's, that's the trick that we have to know. That's the mental part that people don't realize sometimes in athletic training, uh, handling the coaches in that, you know, uh, a good friend of mine at uh, college, the first day at Downingtown, I walked in the gym and he's there. And I haven't seen him in like 13 years, right? And he said, what are you doing here? I said, I just took the jobs out there. Training. I said, what are you doing? I just took the football coaching job. <laughs> yeah. And it was pretty neat. So, and he won a state championship. We went to two finals. But the interesting, he, he was a mental guy. He was a great psychologist, great motivator. Well, he'd walk in my room, sit at my desk and say, how are you doing? How, how's John doing? I said, He's not playing, John, so don't try to convince yeah. him. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay, and he walk out, you know. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but he, you know, we knew each other. We I know what you want. I know why you're in my office. <laughs> yeah, right. I knew what he was coming in for. He didn't pretend like it was something else, but, you know. So, yep. uh, but just athletic training is just a rewarding job. I mean, what we do for our kids and athletes and see them years later and hopefully their fingers aren't all mangled because we took care of it right. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then working at the high school, I'm sure you saw a lot of families come through there in your tenure. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Um, so I kid the one family, um, soccer, we were pretty good teams there too. Our women's team won four, men's team won four stage. And, uh, they had a good thing where the coaches would let me speak to both parents groups during the camp preseason. So I got everything out of way. I talked to all the teams, but I got to talk to the parents, like what to expect from me, what to expect from their kids, you know, nutrition, just a lot of things. And um, until you get close, well, one year I said, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to let Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, because they've been here 16 times they heard me talk, because they had four kids four years apart. <laughs> so they were oh. two girls and two boys. So they knew the speech better than me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but that's, that's a, a fun thing, because they know what to expect. Like when their child goes, you know, here's the difference of high school and college. You asked that earlier, and this is one of the funnier ones. You know, college, it's you and the kids on the football field, right? If it's football. Uh, first athlete got hurt on a football field at the high school. I ran out in the field and we're out and the coach comes out, you know, and the referees are standing there. And all of a sudden I see this guy and I said, who are you? He said, I'm his father. I said, get off my field. You know, <laughs> so I, had to, I had to do a talk to the football player. You know, you don't come on my field. But, you know, so I would tell him, I'll call you over when things settle down and we'll let Johnny or Janie and I'll tell you what we need to do. <laughs> that was a shock for me. <laughs> With a parent doing on the football field. <laughs> But uh, yeah, other than that, I've it, had experiences like that. That's those are those aren't fun. We we, yeah. we need some privacy to do our job sometimes. Right, that's where the tents came in now in college and and, mm-hmm. and the pros, I guess too. Right, but uh, it's it's I don't know how to describe. I tell the young kids when I talk to them, young students that uh, it's a rewarding job that you'll you'll never forget if you're doing your job right. They'll, they'll love you, and uh, you know, and there's just instances you might have problems, but all these years, not too many coaches I didn't get along with and we had the respect for each other. John, John Chaney was probably the best person in the world to ever work for. He, 
he made me who I am as far as coach athletic trainer relationship. He never bothered you about things. And, uh, I mean, we could talk for hours, some funny stories with him with that, but he, he just knew when it was ready. And actually my luck being a young punk, then we had one of our all Americans, like the third game uh, fractured his, you know, wrist and, and the coach, you know, here's our all American, you know, sophomore, junior. And he said, when's he going to be ready? I said, I looked at the schedule. I said, I think when we go to Gannon University, January 6th, I think I can get him ready. And being young then, I would work with the athlete. I'd play one-on-one against them and shoot against them. You know, later in life, you get the other athlete to do it with them. You know? Exactly. When, when it's ready, you know, like the goalie, you know, shooting in the goalie, I could do that. But when I got older, I said, well, but this athlete, I worked and worked. And um, we go up to Gannon. And if you've ever been there, John Cheney says it's worse than going to Duke as far as the noise level and their other gym. And they, they loved to hate us, especially him. And uh, they had a 66-game home win streak. And this player, wow. this player made a one-on-one to win the game with one second left. So to John Chaney, I was a god. <laughs> that's, that's what it's all about. That's awesome. I mean, again, luck. Luck has a lot to do with it. <laughs> if it didn't happen, I might not be here talking to you today. But <laughs> so, so, yeah, you just get so Joe, I... I you obviously have a strong passion for athletic training. Um, that that's apparent. You've you've been doing it for a while, and, you, and you're obviously very good at it. Um, it. You also were were very involved in the Pats legislation and in in some of the licensure laws and in other areas um, regarding the government. Can you just talk about your role and and what positions you were in during that time, and and how you know what what were some of the obstacles that were in the way of pushing our profession forward? Yeah, that. Uh... Well, you got, you have like 20 presidents that could tell you about this. Um, one of my students, a preceptor person I had at Cheney through Westchester, um, Steve Nemes was on the board, I think, or on the committee. Um, he's a, what, just retired, I believe, or from Muhlenberg University. Muhlenberg, uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And um, actually, he, actually, he had my son as a preceptor from East Stroudsburg. So that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. He talked me into running for the Pats Eastern rep position. I said, what are you doing to me? You know, I'm busy with the college. But, but actually, moving to the high school gave me more time to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they actually liked that. The board of directors and the pres- principal, they said, yeah, do that. And they, they kind of liked that. Um, so that gave me a little more time as a high school athletic trainer to do it. So I said, okay, I ran. And to this day, I still curse them out because, like, 20 years later, I'm still involved. Right? But <laughs> we, we kid about that because I've done the same thing to other people. Well, um, you get in, you're not yeah, getting out. Yep. yep. So, uh, so I was two years as Eastern rep and then the president elect came up and they twist your arm and I ran. And, uh, so I was president elect and, uh, Bob Shank and Celios was the president before me. Bob Shank was past president. So we would go mm-hmm. to some, um, board of the, the PT board at the time we were under the PT board, physical therapy. Right. Board. So we go to their board meetings and I, and I sat there and I, I'm like, wow, there's stuff where they can ask us. They won't ask us. But when there's something to talk about us, we have to leave the room because they go on executive session. I said, something's not right with this. Um, we had three people in the advisory committee, but they did not have a vote. Uh, they were just right. advisors from the, from our other uh, training from Pat's. And, and I said, it's like the plumbers governing the electricians or, the, you know, <laughs> the carpenters running the plumbers. You know, I said, it's not right. So the first day I took over as president, we were at Hershey, I guess, for a conference. Um, we kind of convinced the PT board to have their open meeting with us. You know, we invited the big wigs to, to come and we wined and dined them. And we said, but have your open meeting here, an open meeting, anybody can go. And we had like 
then not as many as we have now, but we had like two or 300 people show up, you know, other trainers and, mm-hmm. and you get the open floor, you get to speak. So I opened up and gave a passionate speech about it. And, uh, and I said, I think we should get our own law and our own board. And, uh, and I said a little quote that if you're an athletic trainer, be proud of it. Um, if you're a PT, you became an athletic trainer, ask yourself why, if you're an athletic trainer and became a PT, don't forget your roots. And I never, never want to hear anybody say, I'm just an athletic trainer. Because that's what people used to say. Are you PT? No, I'm just an athletic trainer. No, you're not just an athletic trainer. And, um, and then we pushed to get under the Medical Practice Act and the Osteopathic Practice Act. But you know how many years? It took like 18 years to get that law through. But we, a bunch of us uh, from our board and other people um, spoke, by Paul Tarocci, Phil Donnelly, myself, in front of the Senate committees to get it passed but it took years and years you know with all the politics but uh, so at least now and we actually had a member be in charge of that board so that's kind of a real feather in the cap you know one of our uh pat's members was a chair of the pt board so i mean yeah ethic training board medical board so um so that's a, that's a good thing for a profession but we still have a lot of work to go took us years uh, a few years later we tried to change some wording in law our definition of that we only could take care of athletes back in those days and it was a bad definition of athlete so we got physically active put in not what we really wanted but better than what we had so i think now they're looking at changing that too and now that the proclamation from the governor i don't know if you saw that that just came out yeah it's letting us letting us be uh, true physician extenders and work with the full population that, which i think is awesome that that is unbelievable like that right there they should just make that permanent you know, not just because of COVID, because maybe something else will come up. If they don't make it permanent and we go to change the law, we have a, hey, you let us do it before. Why can't we do it now? Yeah. So I mean, exactly. It would just, just allow us to work in a broader, um, uh, a, yeah. a broader definition uh, with more groups of people and, and be more employable uh, and more worthwhile to some of the larger yeah. hospital systems. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool. That is unbelievable that we got that. So that's exciting. Yeah, pretty much. It's a long trail, but we did it, and many presidents took the path along the way to do it, many board of directors, so it's not over. <laughs> to get some of the, the, the wording, the verbiage, and, and you know these practice acts in place, and, and I think it's really valuable to hear it from, from you guys that, that lived it. Um, could, you know, what, what were, you know, where we, we got, we are where we are now, but where do we need to get to Joe? And, and what do you think the biggest obstacles are now that are, that's holding us back? Um, I think, you know, we've, we've gone giant steps, but we're still in our, I'd say we used to be in infancy and then we became teenagers. Now we might be adolescents, but we're still growing yeah. our profession and we got to get out there and who we are and what we do. That's still a big thing, you know, and then when that personal training thing became a buzz, they got us mixed up with them. You know, you can take a weekend course to do that, right? And they, no, yeah, so you train people? No, you know, yes, you know, we do prevention, care, you know, and, and rehabilitation. I try to throw that all in there. And we do the prevention, um, you know, we do exercise programs for people to get them ready, but we're not personal trainers. And that, that used to be the difference, you know, we're athletic trainers. Um, so I think that respect, but the people now, like if you look, high schools, uh, my high school, we got a second athletic trainer. Some high schools have two and three. We're none, so we're getting there. Um, but are we just uh, what are boys and girls, or are we professionals? And I and I think that's what we got to make sure we do. I, I I worry a little bit, and I might get people mad at me. But the the clinics in Pennsylvania coming in, taking over the high schools, you know, um, 
that worries yeah. me. Not the trainers, but how they're perceived. They're more of coverage than care. Um, like I said, the parents knew me. They'd call me from wherever. Um, oh, I thought I shut this down. Um, and anyway, they, um, they, it's, it's a better rapport. And, and I worry that we lost that um, through the clinical. And then our students are leaving the new athletic trainers because they're not getting paid as well. When you're on a teacher's contract or administrative contract, you're making nice pay. And, you, you know, the pay's not always great, but you got a retirement. you got other things to go along with it. And for our profession, that, that would be a big plus. Um, so I, I think who we are and what we do is important. We're not just there to cover practice and games. We're there when your son or daughter gets seriously hurt to save a life. And it takes that till they, then they knew who you are, but you don't want that to happen. But that's what happens sometimes, you know, um, to get yep. something important done. And I mean, I've had, when I was at Philadelphia Textile, um, the principal, the president came in. I had a terrible athletic trainer in there. They never had an athletic trainer inside of a stage, you know. Um, but this important guy, he was trying to wine and dine for a job, had Achilles tendon rupture. And when they ran across the big street there by the college, he kind of re-injured it. He took me to see him and he, I was there three or four months. He said, what do you need? And I told him, he said, come see me tomorrow. And he had a big benefactor. And guess what? I got a whole new facility. A whole new, yeah. <laughs> you know, again, had somebody to get hurt to do it. But um, so we got to know who we are and what we do. The young professionals, I think, are ready to do that. Um, I just hope their work ethics like it used to be. But sometimes I think they're smarter than us. They, they know life's balance better. You know, a lot of us. Well, you know, our children were important, but it took me to change to the high school to get back with my kids when they were growing up because I was missing them grow up when they were young. Um, so they, my students through preceptors probably taught me more than I taught them. You, you learn from them. They, they got the knowledge. They got the, the, the know-how. They need the experience. You always need that. My quote to my students always were, if we have to find something, you and I will go to a book and look it up but we can't look up experience. And to me, that was important. Like um, when we used to have to put at one time, you know, they used to, have to put like 800 hours in, I don't know if you probably weren't around then. And then they cut it to 200 or something. Well, that's because maybe they thought people were abusing their students, but they really weren't. But then they weren't there as much. And guess what? The one that one, I used to have an athletic trainer or student or three, three young athletic trainers in Westchester. And one would have a soccer game with me one night. Well, the one said, can I come? I said, sure. And then they thought I got in trouble because I made them put too many hours. I said, no, she, she wanted to come. I didn't tell her to work tonight, but she would have missed a dislocated shoulder that night. So the two of them got to see how to take care of that. To me, that's the most important thing in the world. You can't look that one up in a book, how to put a dislocated shoulder back, right? So um, that's the kind of stuff sitting around. I, I know I said to Phil earlier, this, this reminds me in a modern way of what we used to do at conventions, sitting by the fireplace in the lobby of a hotel, telling stories and learning from each other this way. So this podcast to me is the modern version. And I think it's tremendous because um, students, if they sit and listen and learn, I still listen from my cohorts, you know, my age say something. I say, wow, you tried that? I didn't know it. Yeah, that's a good idea. My students, same thing. They said, Mr. Izzy, why are we doing this? I said, because I've been doing it for 30 years. And they said, well, did you ever try this? And I said, no. And they do. I said, wow, that's a good idea. <laughs> I've been wasting my time all those years doing that, you know. So, you know, you learn. If, if, if in our profession you think you know it all, you're done. You can learn every day. Uh, my dad used to tell me, if you don't learn something new every day, you wasted the day, you know. Um, and that's an important thing. So anytime you can learn from each other, young, older, and different, it's, it's a way to learn. And, and I, our students are so knowledgeable, 
so knowledgeable. I mean, way they know more than I'll ever know. Um, but they got to be able to put it into practice, and then that's the important thing. Um, so yeah, that's get, where that experience comes in, right? Right, and it's hard to do. Like you said, at 22 years old, being a Cheney, whew, I don't know if I'd want to go through that first six months again. You know, on a Wednesday I got a job, and on Saturday we had a college football game. I was like, whoa! And and, and I'm working for a I'm working for a coach who was a pro player. Um, so you know, I thought a bad finger, I'd have to keep a guy out. And he thought a guy should play with a torn MCL. You know, um, and so we went at it a few times. But guess what? When he left, he wanted me to go with him. So you know, we we learned to work together, and I learned that. He could not be as conservative, and he learned that you know you got to watch what you do and not hurt somebody. So you know it, it, that's stuff kids don't learn. I mean, I, I used to get calls from my old students that took jobs somewhere and say, "Oh my God, the, the male wrestling coach at such a school been there forty years. He's killing me." And it was a female, so he's really on her case, you know. So, it, but she established herself, and you know they respected her. It takes a while. So that our respect and our profession probably is the biggest word to answer your question from way back. So. Um, how do we do it and what do we do? We get respect. We teach them who we are. Um, you don't want to self-promote, but it doesn't hurt sometimes to let them know who we are. And that's where PADS yeah. and NATA and other organizations come in. Um, the, the law, um, the wording was so bad of what an athlete was. It was a, the four criteria for an athlete back then was designated coach, designated practice. Um, I can't remember. That. And then, oh, and pre-participation physical. So um, designated schedule, designated practice, and 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 a, and a coach, right? Well, you know, and designated practice. And what changed me to change the law too? That wording, I got that change, is I was coaching my son's team at the time, thirteen-year-old team, and my shortstop and second baseman um, were both playing. One was playing for the junior high, and one wasn't because his parent mother he was mad at him for his grades. Um, but they're playing summer ball. Well, if they ran into each other, which they did, and they both went down. Legally, I can look at the one. Legally, I couldn't look at the other because he didn't have a pre-participation physical because he didn't play at the school. Hmm. The other one played at the junior high, and he could. I went, what's that? I, I thought, I'm sitting there looking at him going, I did, but I'm like, legally, we can't do that. Right. So I said, so we got pre-participation physical change. Instead of that, the fourth criteria was, or seen by a licensed physician for an injury. Like eight words or whatever, seven, eight words. And then we got that put in. That took years but it worked you know right, yeah. so it takes a lot to change yeah yeah so I'm, I'm i'm hearing you know be open-minded earn your respect and get some experience right yeah yep that's the main thing listen 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 look listen and learn i guess it's something to be right? <laughs> there you go yeah so yep yeah. all right so the next four questions this is okay. our lightning round um they're quick questions but they can sometimes get really deep uh -oh. and deep answers so First one, uh, what is your dream job? I think I did it. <laughs> um, that's, so that's that's what, that's the greatest answer. We get that all the time. Well, it's either the role they're currently in or you, you know, know the job that they had. And I that might be the only mistake our young professionals do. They have a dream job before they get a job. I, I guess I didn't have any idea what I really wanted to do. About the, nobody had thoughts of the pros back then. Mm -hmm. um, now a lot of them, they want to be baseball or football and NBA, you know. Um, yep. I, once I got that job, I thought I'd be a Cheney for 40 years, really, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I loved it so much. Um, but then I started thinking, you know, I'm a, I'm a baseball person. I love baseball. 
shoot, that's 162 games. I used to be on the road like for 70 and it was a lot, you know, you're 80 some games. Yeah. Um, and then the pros back then you had to watch the athletic trainer. If the coach got fired, they got fired. If they got hired, you know, so if you, you go with somebody you know, like, like Rick fire, followed Andy Reid to Kansas city. That's a great thing. Yep. With yep. Some of them. So I was like, I don't want to be under control of somebody else's destiny. Um, but when I worked with the Olympic teams, I started saying, this is tremendous. I had, um, track team one year in Romania at the World University Games, but in uh, the first Goodwill Games in Moscow, I had the women's U.S. volleyball team. Okay. Talk about a dream job, not not because they were the first woman to ever play uh, beach volleyball, but uh, no, the dream of that was <laughs> you had 12 or 15 or 16 people, so you could like make an individual program for each person. Yeah. Instead of the college yeah, and the high school. Everyone. Yeah, think of your college and high school. You got, what, 300, 400 athletes a season? <laughs> so that would probably be a dream job like and, and i actually got offered that job but my kids didn't want to move to california which i was a little upset about what yeah very <laughs> honestly, and, uh, my daughter, who doesn't want to go to california when i showed her the pictures of all the men's volleyball olympic volleyball guys after she said oh i guess i should have huh <laughs> oh <laughs> that's a benefit. yeah yeah that's when karsh play and then played i don't know if you remember those names but uh, yeah it was a lot of fun so that probably like like a, a NBA team maybe because they travel a lot too, but it's, it's numbers are smaller. So you can yeah, really, really work hard with more individualized. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, so, all the jobs I've done, I've loved. So. Yep. so Joe, when you're not athletic training, what do you do for fun? Um, for years in the beginning, I played fast pitch softball, uh, big okay. time travel with that. Um, I did that probably until 1999, but I was in a major car accident coming back from a Pats meeting. Um, and so I stopped doing that. But uh, for 43 years, I refereed high school and college basketball. And uh, 45 years, I'm still doing baseball umpire. Nice. Um, so some people kind of laughed. They said, that's your relaxation, getting yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? It is because when I'm on that court or on that field, I block everything that happened in my day or is going to happen tomorrow. And I'm just concentrating that game. So to me, that that's like putting myself in a different world. And I'm just yeah. content. So that was, even though it's high pressure and crazy, but it, it's relaxation, you know. And I enjoyed that. I mean, I got to do Kobe Bryant against Rip Hamilton down the palestra, you know, and stuff like that. Oh, so, nice. but that that's relaxation to me, even though the pressure's there. <laughs> I'm not thinking athletic training. I'm not thinking home. I'm not, you know. Um, now, now I I. I don't run as much. I got a new knee put in a few years ago, but I uh, take nice long walks. Uh, I'm with my grandchildren and step-grandchildren and things like that and family. So uh, that's nice. basically what I do to relax now. That's, that's not a bad way to relax. Yeah. Uh, so what inspires you? Uh, Where do you draw your inspiration from? I guess what inspires me is to keep continuing to make our profession the best that it can be. Um, when I see something, I got to say something. So sometimes that's not always good, but, mm -hmm. um, if I'm sitting in one of our meetings, you know, in our business meeting, I said, ah, it doesn't sound right. We tried it. It didn't work. You know, maybe we got to look at a different angle. Um, so I still try to stay involved with that. Um, try to correct things, but inspiration is trying to be better every day at what you do. Um, even if it's just relaxing, <laughs> but you know, there you go. Um, my dream, my dream, you know, my dream was all years I worked was to be down the beach in September after Labor Day <laughs> because how many years you work yep. football or all sports camp, like, you know, and yep. I never was a Labor Day with my family. Um, my one cousin last year said, uh, you know, we always have that 
big lady dinner at Labor Day down Sea Isle. And I said, well, where's your house? He goes, you've been here. I got pictures of your kids when they were little on the wall. I said, I can tell you I was never there because I never had a Labor Day off in 38, 40-some years. So um, that week after Labor Day, I go to the beach every year. And everybody used to ask me that first, well, how's retiring? How's retiring? I said, I won't know until I'm not in camp. And I sent all my teacher friends a picture of me on the beach by my own, like nobody there, you know, <laughs> and that's, that inspires me. I like beaches. I go to Hawaii a lot and do stuff like that. So that's my relaxation nice. now. But, yeah. No, Joe, I, I feel you on that. I, um, the labor day is usually like the first day of classes at Dickinson. So yeah, right. we don't, we, you know, it's like labor day. Like, yeah, yeah. no, I'm working on that day. It's, yeah. it's just a normal day for us. Your whole but, career. <laughs> yeah. I, I completely get that. Um, but anyway, the, uh, we, we kind of asked you this question already, but you know, what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Um, it means giving my heart and soul to people that need help. Um, and again, I use that definition, care prevention, rehabilitation of athletic injuries or any injury. If you have a patient, you know, now our scope is so great that we're in so many different areas of the profession, you know, um, the Rockettes, NASCAR, you know, so many. So it's not just even though they're considered athletes, but they're patients, you know, we can say uh, physically active in Pennsylvania, we say, but just mm -hmm. taking care of them and seeing them getting better and working hard to do that, that, that just means so much to me. And I think that's what our profession is about, the heart and soul. Um, if you lose that, then you got to watch. Um, you know, everybody asks, when's it time to retire? One of my first students is retiring this year in Pennsylvania, 40 years of the job. Um, and he used to ask me and other people. And I said, I found out because I, I pretty much get intense at the games in college and high school, you know, and even though I'm a referee, I tried to be cool. But um, when I started knowing that in baseball, softball, basketball, whatever, that I didn't really care who won as long as it didn't go extra innings and overtime, <laughs> I said, that's, <laughs> not, that's not a good sign. <laughs> it's time to, it's time to move on. <laughs> Right, because I never wanted my teams to lose, but now I'm just saying, just don't go extra any over. I don't want to be here an hour longer. <laughs> that, that's when you know, right? Uh, yeah, no, I completely agree, Joe. I completely agree, um, and I just want to say thank you. Um, you've you've been an absolute legend on the show um, and, and in athletic training, and we thank you for all your service and and everything you've done for the profession. Um, if if any of the listeners have uh, any questions or, or comments, um, is there any way that they can reach out to you? Sure, sure. Uh, you have my email, I think. Did you send it to him or do I want to um, say do, it now? do you mind just sharing it with us? Yes. Uh, my email is J, my last name, Izzy, I-E-Z-Z-I, -E -Z -Z -I, at Comcast.net. So, awesome. Uh, yeah, anytime. I uh, look forward to talking to people all the time. Uh, we can Perfect. Thank you. Guys. All right. Thank you, Phil. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And thank you to the listeners. Um, let us know if you have any suggestions on topics or any other guests that you'd like to hear on the show. Um, until next time, I'm Adam Richmond. And I'm Philip Hensler. And this was the Pats Podcast. Thank you.